Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by the man who claims in his Twitter bio to be an expert in 1970s and 1980s confectionery. <laughs> so I guess that makes him Mr. Confectioner. Oh. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I, I, I forgot that I'd forgotten that I'd put that in my Twitter bio, but then I ca- yeah. occasionally I'll get followed by people who work in the like the chocolate industry in the UK. <laughs> so honestly, weird. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you get like Cadbury's following you or something. Yeah. Um, I remember my friend, his wife, I can't remember what her second oh she's from new zealand and i think she put her she put in her twitter bio instead of token kiwi she put token kiwi like jr you know so she gets like loads of these lord of the rings enthusiasts following her on twitter like waiting for her to post interesting things about lord of the rings and i'm and i'm assuming leaving disappointed so what lots of people with like a hobbit fetish just following or or is it just general lord of the rings fans yeah well following her i don't know i mean there's probably a few hobbit fetish people in there i'm sure they've got a thing for big hairy feet yeah i'm sure oh very good uh so yes uh, i'll refer to you as mr confectioner from now on um how are you greg how's your week been uh good i um was able to catch the you know i was messaging you about it through the week i was able to catch the taylor hawkins tribute concert it's, mm. it's on uh, the streaming services over here it's five hours long so i've been i was just watching it in installments um with my daughter but i was you know how i messaged you the other night after watching supergrass playing there and uh, yeah. i mentioned about how danny is clearly hasn't played the drums <laughs> on stage for a, for a while because he was he looked like he was absolutely absolutely blown out his arse by the time they'd finished mm. like their third song yeah but it seemed to be a sort of common theme so like the older drummers that turned up like um roger taylor from queen he, he seemed all right you know he did four songs but like the younger guys like rufus taylor from the darkness like he sat in for a few foo fighters songs and he was fucked and then i was song i think he did um which what did he do maybe monkey wrench perhaps and he saw he, he clearly thought they were finished so he put his um stuck his uh, sticks down and, the, and dave Grohl just kept going so he had to fucking like, pick him up and start playing again <laughs> um but yeah like, a lot of out of shape drummers but it was really good so i was surprised that some of the some of the people that uh, turned up to play um i'm glad they never went though stand in Wembley for five hours you know yeah I couldn't be bothered with that no yeah. Um, yeah I saw a few clips online it looked like a good event yeah, yeah looked like a nice a good concert yeah I, I went to a concert myself this week I went to see Delamitri in Amsterdam they're good which was very good yeah they were really good actually yeah. I mean Justin Curry's a miserable bastard but uh <laughs> It was, yeah, it was good. I did, did enjoy. He didn't really speak much. I think it was like four or five songs in before he uttered like his first word. And yeah. it was just like, thanks for coming. I didn't really expect anyone to be here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the place was packed. Right. But, I mean, it was only about 300 maybe okay. 400 people there it was a small venue but yeah no they were very good it's like a theater or a- no it was like a it, it is like a, a venue and i did read his blog actually because i did exactly the same thing i i walked down the street and there was a massive queue mm-hmm. and i read his blog and he'd been out to get something to eat and i must have i might have passed him in the street actually yeah. um and he said I, I walked down to the venue 
and saw this huge line of 20-somethings queuing to get into the venue. And I thought, wow. And then I realised that there was another concert on at the same venue that evening. <laughs> and it's been a long time since we've had 20-year-olds queuing up to see one of our gigs. <laughs> I looked across and saw a much smaller line full of 40-year-olds <laughs> to get in, which was exactly what I did because I the first time I'd been to that venue. So I walked down the road and I was like, wow, the queue's massive. Mm-hmm. And then I realised it was for some dance thing, and oh. there was a s- smaller line for Delamitri that was, as he says, full of 40, 50 year olds. I mean, I'm forty one, and I think I was one of the youngest people there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that the only thing he said was, "So you guys couldn't get tickets for Rangers either tonight, or something like that?" Because they yeah. the same night that <laughs> the same night they played Ajax, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Um, yes, it certainly was. You, you could have probably went to the game and then still managed to get to the gig in time if you'd rushed. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if uh, many people would have would have done that. But yeah, so I think he, he did say in the blog as well. He went out for something to eat after the gig, and guy had caught his accent and went, "Oh, are you here for the football?" <laughs> I said, "No, I'm in a band." Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, I'm, I'm I'm a Celtic fan. I was going to say, <laughs> so. yeah. No, I remember um, when I lived in Glasgow. I think I've mentioned before my friend of mine, uh, his mate is Mark Weedy, who used to be, might still be the chief sports writer for the Sunday Mail, and he was, they would play fives. I played a couple of times with them, but I'm fucking rubbish at fives, just rubbish at sport, generally speaking. But I know that uh, Justin Curry turned up a couple of times when they played at the pits in the kind of East End. Mm. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's not he's not got a reputation as being a particularly warm, <laughs> friendly guy, if he does. No. <laughs> No, definitely not. I think I do follow him on Twitter and he is quite miserable. Um, and yeah, yeah, he's not the, the I'm not going to say the nicest guy, but yeah, the warmest, I would say, is yeah, yeah, what he said. Yeah. Like, I, I think if I had seen him in the street, I don't think I would have no. said, hey, Justin, how you doing? No, I, I think I've probably got I, I have seen him. In, fuck off. I, have, I did see him out in Glasgow a couple of times like, when I first moved there, but I didn't approach him. He's, he's quite a small guy, yeah. you know? yeah. Yeah, he was um, he was rocking double denim on the stage, a denim jacket and jeans, same color. So that was um, yeah. What did that Canadian tuxedo? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Well, so you've, so that's a busy week for you then. You've ventured out the house and it was went to a concert. Yeah. It was. Yeah, <laughs> certainly was. Yeah, it was very exciting. So. Yeah, busy week for me. So at least I've got something to report. Indeed. Um, I think that's that's all that's been going on this week, really, isn't it? There's there's not much exciting been happening. Some 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 old lady died that people seem to be quite fond of. Um, apart from that, yeah. it looks like they're getting a public holiday out of it. So every yeah. every cloud, as they say. Oh, well, well, on that bombshell, shall we have a look at what else has been happening in Scotland over the last couple of weeks? Cue the jingle. <laughs> This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, so as we've said, obviously, there has been some rather big news from the UK this week. A big news from Scotland, I suppose, because obviously she, she passed away in Scotland. However, we're not going to bother about that today. We're going to be having a look at some of the lighter news stories that have happened in Scotland over the last couple of weeks. So what have you seen first that you want to share with me and our listeners? Well, both of my stories are restaurant themed this week. 
Um, my f- oh. first one comes from the Daily Record, which is replete with uh, black banners on their, the top of their website. Uh, it was from the 8th of September. The article, the headline rather, says, Scott's KFC customer horrified as rat's tail spotted hanging from the air vent. Uh, this is a tourist, uh, obviously in town for the catch the fag end of the fringe. Said a rat's tail mm. was spotted hanging from an air vent in a Scots KFC, leaving a hungry customer horrified. I mean, what does you think KFC put in their KFC anyway? Do you know what I mean? It's well, that's just a surprise. <laughs> the tourist, but I, I'm obviously joking before. Uh, Anybody who works for KFC <laughs> sets the lawyers on me. I'm sure they only use the, the best cuts of chicken. Um, the tourist was visiting the restaurant on South Street, uh, South St. Andrew's Street uh, in Edinburgh City Centre during the festival when they spotted the vermin. The disgusted customer was keen to highlight the animal. Was keen to highlight, sorry, the animal was discovered four days before the bin strike started at around 3pm mm. on Sunday, August the 14th. As they tucked into their meal, their attention was quickly drawn to the ceiling in the lobby area, with the rat's tail dangling above them and fellow diners. As reported by Edinburgh Live, the customer, who wishes to remain anonymous, was left shocked that staff failed to take appropriate action to ensure health and safety of the public in the fast food chain. They said on this day, they didn't remove anybody eating down the stairs, breathing in the fumes, or the dead (laughs) rat in the air vent. They just stopped people going down the stairs to see it. I'm not sure what fumes she's worried about. Following their experience, they subsequently raised the issue with KFC's online care team, first contacted them on August the 16th, but were left dissatisfied with their response. They said, after a long back and forth, responded on August the 26th to say the manager has said the lobby is closed, which I believe is just the downstairs bit, as it had been open every day since. I'm not sure if it's open now, as I'm not in Edinburgh at the moment. When asked for comment, Uh, In response to the claims, KFC said the pest control were called to the site immediately, but they did admit that this wasn't a great experience, whilst adding that they refunded the customer's meal. A KFC spokesperson said operating responsibly is our number one priority, and we have strict processes in place to ensure the quality and hygiene standards of all our restaurants. The team called in pest control immediately, who visited the restaurant, dealt with the issue, and checked all the procedures. But ultimately, this wasn't a great experience and we never want to leave our guests disappointed. So we've already refunded their meal. So case closed as far as KFC's customer service team are um, concerned. But look, I can tell you that in city centres, with the best will in the world, it's very difficult to keep the rats completely away. Mm. So yeah. The thing that surprises me most about that is that the woman complaining wanted to remain anonymous because I thought she'd want to get free KFC for life or something mm. and, and or maybe she's consulting her solicitor and, and wants to, to wait until the, the end of that. I'm sure she's not remained anonymous as far as KFC go. She probably just wants her name in the paper. Right? Yeah. Um do you think when pest control came to to deal with the problem that they just took out the air vent and chucked it in the fryer? <laughs> I mean, I have seen stories before about uh, chicken nuggets with like dead mice kind of cooked into into them and stuff mm. like that. You know, that's why. Yeah. that's why I don't I don't eat uh, fast food. Although I do work in it, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> but not well. My food's not as fast as KFC and um, McDonald's and stuff. But you know, I mean, it it's, it's going to happen. I just think it's. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the rat's probably dead because it's 
eating bait out of a bait trap and it's tied up there. So I would, I think if I was a customer in KFC and I saw a rat's tail hanging out of a vent like this woman did I'd be, and the rat was dead, I'd be like, oh, well, they've obviously taken all the correct precautions to make sure they don't have live rats running around. Um, I think I would, You wouldn't have thought that maybe the rat had had a zinger burger or something and then <laughs> yeah. it well, keeled over yeah. from cholesterol. <laughs> it's possible. Massive heart attack. <laughs> Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, we could we could we could only see the tail, but the rat could be like massive, <laughs> you know, like it's full of full of bones of chicken, and I don't know what that, what what the KF, what, what's what are KFC famous for? Is it still like their buckets of chicken? I know they're famous chicken. for chicken, but I, I obviously, but um, see, I never go, but I guess like they're sort of they're they're famous for their big buckets of chicken, right? I guess so. I don't, I've never had a KFC in my life. Have you not? So I've not. Never. Um, I. I mean, I went off fast food a long time ago. Mm. Like, I'll never ever have McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, Pizza Hut, nothing yeah. like that. I will have. Uh, I, I, maybe slightly hypocritical. I will have. We've got a Domino's at the end of our road, right. and I'll have one of those occasionally because they do do a vegan pepperoni pizza that is fucking incredible. Right. Because that was the one thing I used to love a pepperoni pizza, mm-hmm. and when I went vegetarian, that's the one of the few things I really missed. Right. And they do an incredible vegan pepperoni, so um, I have had that a couple of times. But yeah, I just I've, I've never had a KFC. I think because they didn't really that wasn't really one in Aberdeen. It was I one think. next to the music hall, and then on Union Street. Yeah. Still there. Well past it. At that, but had I, I don't know, when did that appear? Maybe it had before it's been, I left. I don't know. It's been there, it's for, been as there for a long time. It's been there as long as I can remember. My, okay. my, my presiding memory of that KFC was I'd been to see, I'd been, I, I can't remember where I'd been. I might have been at the music hall. I remember that I'd had a lot to drink and I was, I was pretty buckled and who, whoever I was with, I think my ex-girlfriend at the time, she suggested that we dive into KFC and get something to eat and I accidentally put sugar on my chips instead of salt (laughs) but i just just ate them anyway i was too embarrassed to go back and ask well i I didn't actually think that they would give me more chips because because i'd kind of fucked them up myself but yeah yeah that's probably last time i was in kfc and that would have been like 25 years ago (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know why i just never never drawn to to a kfc yeah um, You're not missing anything. So yeah, I'm not sure why. No, I don't think so. Well, dead rats, apparently. Well, yeah. In my opinion, you're not missing anything. I don't want to trigger anybody because I know that, know that they're, they're obviously popular. People like them. I don't. I think I was always put off, maybe because I am a big Seinfeld fan. And of mm. course, there is that episode with the Kenny Rogers Roasters that opens up on the block and Kramer gets addicted to the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That's the. <laughs> the big red sign in his uh, in his window. Maybe that always subconsciously put me off KFC. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So that was my first story. Uh, what's your first story this week, Nikki? Okay, so I'm going to go from one vermin to another, Greg. Um, and this is from the Daily Record. This is from last week. And it's about a Scots woman terrorised by squirrels in her loft, fear that the rowdy rodents will burn her house down. So this is a Scots woman who's been terrorised by squirrels and has been having sleepless nights for two years and she fears they're a fire hazard. Denise Stronach from East Colbride says she's being forced out of her home by the rowdy rodents who live in her loft and keep her awake of all hours in the morning. The 57-year-old has reported the issue to our local council who undertook work but the pesky squirrels remain. So far, the pests have chewed through two TV cables and Denise fears that this could cause a blaze at her home. Speaking to the record, she said, These squirrels are driving me crazy. 
It's like someone is playing 10-pin bowling above my head. They're absolutely horrific, and I can't even imagine the damage they've done to my loft. I've been through two televisions because they keep chewing through the cable. I've been having sleepless nights because of them, and I can't even eat. It's really affecting my health. The longer that I'm out of the house, the better. I'm usually out early in the morning and then go back late because of them. I'm fed up, and I'm scared that they might start a fire. (laughs) Uh, Denise first noticed this infestation two years ago and believes the squirrels managed to get in through her roof. Uh, she is still grieving the loss of her father, sorry about that Denise, um, and helping her mother, who doesn't keep well. So the constant noise and inability to sleep has placed a further strain on her own health. She estimates there are around 12 squirrels living in our loft, but they also go out into our garden as well. Uh, the council have fitted netting, blocked up holes in the boarding and filled cement in the chimney area. And they said that environmental health have been sent out to remove the squirrels, but claim no one was at home for them to get access to the property. Pest Control UK warns that when squirrels enter a loft space, they can cause structural damage by tearing up loft insulation or bedding. Uh, Denise is desperate for the squirrels to be removed and all damage to be repaired. A spokesman for the council said that in response to our early contact with Ms Stronach on the matter, the council serviceman has taken out repairs to block up holes with the fascia board. Uh, since then, there have been no further reports or issues of the squirrels from Mrs Stronach. So, my question would be, do we think she has squirrels in her loft or do we think she has mogwai because <laughs> she thinks that they're playing 10 pin bowling up there yeah and they might set a fire now we know how pesky mogwai can be yeah not the band obviously in this the famous scottish band yeah, yeah. um the the little gizmo fluffy gremlins yeah so that's poor denise she's got a lot of squirrel problems i mean what so are they are they coming down from are they coming down from the loft and chewing through her wires to, to knack at her tvs i guess they must be i mean she's been through two tvs could she not just replace the wires yeah. i it sounds like they are because i don't think she's got a tv in the loft <laughs> but how are they getting down from the loft I, I guess maybe they're going through the walls or something i've no idea yeah, yeah. I mean, my my dad's house. Um, he would sometimes get squirrels in his loft, uh, occasionally. But he would just go up and dispatch them himself. So, it's, as you can imagine, with extreme prejudice. It's like because it's the <laughs> it's the um, it's the grey squirrels, right? Like everybody's fine if it's the proper the proper squirrels, the nice little brownie orangey ones. But the grey squirrels are are uh, largely considered to be bastards by yeah squirrel experts and um and they they apparently have killed all the all the they they, they kill the the nice orangey squirrels the silver the gray mm. silvery ones don't know why yes apparently the red squirrels are the nice ones and they're all cute and lovely but yeah the gray squirrels are the but i wonder why i wonder what genocidal i wonder what compels the uh the gray squirrels to go about murdering the red squirrels some sort of well greg i mean that's a very philosophical question that you've just raised there i mean in terms of the human race for example (laughs) (laughs) i think i think think maybe this is a light-hearted podcast we should maybe not delve too much into any racial tension of (laughs) what's um, human genocide racist squirrels like like i don't know you think the great? Um, do you think that Denise would be okay if it was red squirrels in her loft, th- or do you think she's she's annoyed? I mean, I'd have to check this. Um, I, 
red squirrels might be protected. So she had red squirrels I think in so, her loft. So. She's fucked. We 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 had bats. Um, I think I mentioned on the podcast before, like in our house in Dubai, we had bats living in the sort of space. There's a, there's a sort of gap above the slide and patio door and and the wall because it was like it was just basically the the whoever, whoever bought the door it was too small for the hole they'd cut for it and um and it was so there was bat shit all over the windows we would see them like flying out at night and stuff like that um and we thought we're gonna have to do something about it so we spoke to the landlord and he just sent he sent some guys along during the day where and i said how are you going to get them out and they produced uh, a metal rod and those sticky boards that they use to catch mice you know what i mean mm. and rats and they just basically swept them out onto onto the sticky boards i was horrified wow um and then and and they were going to just chuck them in my bin i was like you can't chuck them in my bin my fucking daughters might see them take them away i don't want fucking decomposing bats in my bin fucking traumatic it was fucking traumatic enough watching how they took them out of the how they had taken them out of that hole so um but I, but I was talking to somebody back home about it and they said that bats are protected in scotland so if you've got if, mm. So I think if you've got like a protected species that's like invaded your your house, I think um, you're fucked. You can't do anything. Yeah. You just got to put up with it. So I guess rats aren't protected in KFCs though. So that's <laughs> no, no, good not. for our previous news story. Yeah, yeah. I don't think rat. I don't. Think, I don't think rats are have, have any problems. Um, I, don't, I don't think they're like. They, there's not like different color rats that are fucking doing in all the brown rats. You know what I mean? These little, all these little clan rats. <laughs> That are <laughs> turning up at the brown hats nests. Never know. Brown hats. Brown maybe hats. been trained by Splinter. Yeah, he's yeah. Finished. <laughs> trained the turtles, so now he's training his own little army of rats yep. to to take over the KFCs. Maybe that's it, because the turtles like pizza, so maybe the rats like KFC. Speaking of turtles, there. I don't know if you've seen. Do you remember the old um, Turtles arcade game? There was two. There was the original yep. one, and there was there was Turtles in Time. Um, yeah, they've just been they've just been re released. Yeah, you can buy them, but there's also the Kawabunga collection. Yep, but there's a brand new game that's come out, which is in the style mm. of that of those games. Shredder's Revenge. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm tempted to download. Well, I'm not tempted to. When it comes down in price, I'm going to download it onto my do- yeah. on my daughter's Switch. It's a good day. Uh, it's a good. It's a, it's a good toilet game. You know. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, maybe Denise can download that and she can play Shredder's Revenge and the Cowabunga collection with yeah. her squirrels. Oh, well, we should have, maybe have to get a new TV because she's gone through two TVs since well, well, she, because of the squirrels. She, she buys a Switch. She won't need a TV. She can just can go anywhere. Uh-huh. That's like it's unique selling point. There you go, Denise. There you go. There's some advice there for you from uh, from Greg. Get a Switch Guess and you don't need a TV. Yeah. And maybe the squirrels can play. If you get two controllers, then maybe they can, <laughs> they can sit in the loft and you can play Mario Kart together. Yeah. Okay, well, I hope you get ready your squirrels, Denise, and um, yeah, just remember, squirrels aren't just for Christmas, they're for life, unlike Mogwai. Okay, um, what else have you seen this week, Greg? Um, well, as I mentioned, uh, my second story is also a restaurant story. The strapline is, a dog's dinner, a plush Scotch restaurant hits back after a diner says meal was ruined because dogs are allowed in. Um, so this is Gaucho, um, a steak restaurant in Edinburgh, in St Andrew's Square. Uh, they tell their customers that all their restaurants are dog friendly. Diners can enjoy a meal with their canine companions as long as the dogs are clean, well behaved and kept on leads. Mm. The eatery mm-hmm. is generally well liked and enjoyed by punters, but bosses found one customer was not a fan of their pro-pooch policy. I bet you that 
reporter was fucking well pleased with himself when he came up with that one. Pro Pooch Policy. Leaving a two-star out of five review on TripAdvisor, they complained about their food and hit out at the dogs in the restaurant, saying the animal's barking is, quote, not ideal. There's there's also claims they were put off their meals <laughs> by animals, quote, sniffing each other's arses, unquote. Um, <laughs> the review read, for a fine dining Argentinian steakhouse, I can't say the steak I got was seasoned well and lacked in flavour, but it was cooked to perfection, however. I'm not sure yeah. I agree with dogs being allowed in a fine dining restaurant either. Three dogs barking and sniffing each other's arses while I'm trying to eat a steak. Not a really pleasant experience. But bosses hit back at the review saying their dog's welcome policy is clearly posted as guests come in. And they said they also said allowing dogs in is a hit with other diners. A manager replied, Al Gaucho restaurants are very dog-friendly environments. We have a sticker on the Edinburgh door saying we are so. Are so. An insert... Oh, it's <laughs> an insert on the... <laughs> An insert on the outside A board, at A board, and it's also mentioned on our website. We get a lot of positive reviews regarding our dog-friendly policy, our pro-pooch policy. Uh, sorry yours couldn't be one of those. I'm glad to hear your steak was cooked to perfection. The restaurant's website lists out a set of rules for any punters bringing in their dogs. These include dogs only being allowed in the main part of the restaurant. They must not be left unattended. Only one dog per person. They are not allowed in the furniture and no aggressive dogs are allowed. Managers have the discretion to ask owners to leave if their dog is misbehaving, barking, or if the owner isn't in control. So we know that obviously we've spoken before on the podcast. You are a sort of reformed dog lover. <laughs> um, do you take do any restaurants in Amsterdam? You take you take Bobby out to for? Yeah, we've taken Bobby to a couple of restaurants. Yeah. Not inside, right. I would say it's yeah outside. So we'd always yeah we'll sit outside. Yeah. And sit with him on the bench or something. But yeah, I wouldn't take him into a restaurant. Is he well behaved? Um, he is outside, yeah. yeah. He'll sit under the table. But I think I would, don't know, I'd fear taking him into a restaurant because there's a lot going on. Yeah. It's quite busy. Yeah. He might be a bit nervous of all the activity. I'd also be more worried about someone coming up to try and touch him or pet him because mm. he doesn't like strangers. Yeah. So could lead to a bit of an issue. But yeah, I, I agree. If you've got a small little well-behaved dog, I, I don't see anything wrong with taking it into a restaurant if it's clean and just sits under the table and doesn't bother anyone. But yeah, I can I can maybe see an issue if you've got like 20 dogs running around all sniffing each other's arses and <laughs> playing and chasing bread rolls and stuff, yeah. then that could be a slight issue. But uh, I don't see a massive problem. It wouldn't put me off. The only thing that maybe has put me off is maybe at a restaurant if cats are there because I'm allergic. So right. I can feel my, my eyes getting itchy and yeah. when, you know, if there's one nearby. But then I just, I wouldn't, you know, I'd never go to a cat cafe or something because, well. You're allergic. be a nightmare. And also I don't like cats. So <laughs> that would be a quite an issue for me. But yeah, I, I don't see a massive issue with this, but I can see how some people would be offended and it might put them off their their meal but the steak was cooked to perfection so oh, yeah. what's the issue I know. um the cat thing is whenever you go on holiday to places like spain or greece if you're sitting out eating it's always loads of stray cats right and they're all you know and i guess they know hmm. where to get fed um because they always turn yeah. up and i was what wait my daughters we've got two cats my daughters absolutely fucking love cats um I, I i don't hate them i can take them or leave them put it that way i'd prefer to leave them but anyway the uh they were they were watching a program that was on netflix called inside the mind of a cat and they the only reason that cats meow like they do 
is to get human beings to fucking give them stuff. Mm. That's a fact. Like, they've evolved that meow to get women, mainly, <laughs> to fucking... To, um, like to feed them. Sweeping generalisation. Well, yeah. it's... I mean, how many guys do you know that live on their own and have a couple of cats? Or even a cat? Do you know anybody? Our mutual friend did for a while, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, no, did he? No, he was married, though, when he mm. had the cats. Yeah, but he had a cat before that. Did he? Oh, I think he did, actually, yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. What happened to that cat, I wonder? They just stopped talking about it, didn't they? Like it did itself yeah. in. <laughs> so, Probably. It saw something it wasn't meant to see. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatised for life. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, you're right, though. Yeah, I guess. I don't really know many solo males that have a cat. Mm. Well, I don't know. I think if you want to let dogs in. I mean, if they, they've... It's obviously been advertised and this guy just maybe hasn't realised or thought he'd be fine with it and then turns out that it, he's got, he wasn't, so... Yeah, I don't think you can complain. If it's if it's clearly on the door that it's a dog-friendly restaurant or, you know, dogs are encouraged, then you can't really complain about going there no. and saying, you know, I'm not going to go to a, a steak restaurant and complain about the amount of vegetarian options that they have on the menu. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, you kind of have to, to pick and choose your, your dining venue by... What it is you're looking for. Exactly. That's some good advice from the culture, Swally. There you go. Choose your restaurant based on what it is you want to have to eat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, that's my second and final story of this week. What uh, what have you got for your next one? Right, I'm going to completely lower the tone here, Greg. So just um, if you're of a sensitive nature or if you're under 18, then I'd suggest you maybe don't listen to this next part uh, because I'm going to be talking about the... Pornhub habits that have been revealed um, as Scots enjoy a very unique fetish more than other Brits. This is from the Scottish Sun this week and it was printed on, yeah, I think on the day that uh, we lost our beloved Queen. So it's what she would have wanted. And I wonder if she was Googling this when she was in Balmoral, actually. Uh, Randy Scott's have very unique tastes when it comes to watching porn. The country's dirty secrets have been revealed by the world's biggest adult site, Pornhub, who know exactly what gets people going. Relative searches indicate what locals are more likely to type into the search box compared to their neighbours. And stats from the webpage giants reveal visitors from Scotland are 55% more likely to search for pegging than those elsewhere in the country. Scots are also 140% more likely to view solo male videos than the rest of Britain. Relative categories are based on 100 plus specified genres. Would you know that, Greg? Pornhub? 100 genres? I mean, I've never been on that website, no, so I don't know. Don't but know. Um, 100 categories that the videos are filtered into. Uh, the same categories are available in every part of the world, even when translated into the local lingo. The categories show the type of porn being watched by visitors who navigate the directories and watch the recommended content. Uh, it's got a little breakdown of some of the other areas. So visitors from the northeast are 171% more likely to search for chav. So obviously they're wanting to watch chav porn. The northwest are 73% more likely into chubby porn. Right. And East Midlands have a 77% rating for BBW. Is that Big Beautiful Woman, I think? Yeah, I is think it? so. I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, visitors from Greater London are 223% more likely to search for Turkish compared to the rest of the UK, while those in the West Midlands are 136% more likely into Indian. Right. Now, get this. Northern Ireland watches 149% more 
smoking-related porn videos. Really? Yeah. And those from Wales are 114% more into cosplay videos. Mm. Meanwhile, now, here we go, Greg. Scottish Sun, article on Pornhub. Who do you think they've got to talk about this? Is it, what's her name? Uh, Lana Wolf. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rangers daft porn star Lana Wolf told of her joy after scooping a top industry award. The adult model triumphed when she won a gong at the premium social media star of the year category at the XBiz Europa Awards in Berlin at the weekend. This is the adult industry's biggest night in Europe. Wow. Um, and it's been held with XBiz Berlin, the adult industry's premier international conference. Who knew, Greg? Yeah, it's like, I guess it's like Comic Con for porn. Um, and Lana gave a shout. I mean, Comic Con's got a lot of porn, really, to be honest. Well, the Welsh are into their cosplay, so that'll be why. <laughs> um, uh, she gave a shout out to her beloved Jers as she picked up the gong in Germany. She said, I feel like I've got Scotland on my side tonight. Thank you, Scotland. Thank you, Glasgow. Thank you, the blue side of Glasgow. Rangers till they died. We are the people. Rangers she said Rangers till I. Oh, right. She said Rangers till I die. I just put that little bit in there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there you go, Greg. So um, Scotland is right into their pegging. Right. I mean, I'm not really sure what pegging is, if I'm honest. I mean, do you want to explain it for the benefit of listeners that might not have seen porn before? Um, I no, I don't want to explain what it is, <laughs> but um, Google it yourself. Are you, are you being serious? You don't know what pegging is, or um, you, no, you do know what pegging is. I, th- I think I know. What, I, I I think I know what it is. Yes, it doesn't sound like something I would be into, but yeah, I, th- I think I know what it is. BBW, would you say it was big beautiful women? Uh, yeah, is that it? or yeah. no? What is it? Is or big breasted women or Bobby Balls Willie? You don't know. <laughs> You don't know. I'm not going to make you search for that in um, in the Middle East. So I'm, you know what? I'm going to take one for the team. Okay. Um, what is BBW? Um, we know what pegging is, but we don't know what BBW. It's big, beautiful woman. It is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so not not, is, so. not Bobby Balls Willie then. No. No. Uh, not Bobby Balls Willie. No, Greg. I don't know if how many hits you'd get for that on Pornhub. Bobby Balls Willie. Well, but maybe Balls and Willie. I don't know. It's quite a, a niche, <laughs> niche. Bobby. That's, yeah, Bobby. How are you spelling Bobby? B-O-A-B-Y? Bobby Bobby Balls and Willie. I know what you meant with Bobby Ball, but I'm thinking more Bobby (laughs) Balls and Willie to keep the Scottish (laughs) slang on there. Anyway, so what do you think about the Welsh being in a cosplay then? eh? Well, they're quite dramatically Welsh, aren't they? They're... um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's what I sort of get it. I know a few Welsh people. So, like, the sort of geo-mapping, then, of these uh, sort of porn um, preferences. Mm. With the pegging, was there a particularly sort of hot spot around sort of Aberdeen, West Hill kind of area? Um, I don't have that data, right. I'm afraid. Doesn't it's go. just split it up into regionally. So, as a lot of these surveys, we'll just class Scotland as, as one region. Right. So, I'm not sure. Doesn't go, that, to maybe look doesn't go to that deep. <laughs> doesn't go the pegging doesn't go that deep in uh, in the Aberdeenshire or West Hill area and also solo male so I guess there's quite a lot of females or just guys having a wank um, is it I guess I I guess so I don't know Can, no idea. It may explain why there's such a rash of people masturbating in public in Scotland over the last couple of years. Could be. And we've covered extensively on this well. <laughs> I guess we we won't know. Uh, I'm not going to be searching that. So <laughs> I'm not sure. So yeah, and who knew that the Irish were so big into their smoking that they like watching people naked smoking? I don't know weird don't know there's something for everyone yeah never mind well uh, on that bombshell so i think that 
covers the the news for this week. Um, I'd, I'd say apologies to our, our listeners. I think we did quite well, Greg, but okay, right. it was quite slim pickings because this week has been kind of dominated by a particular news story in the UK and Scotland. Yeah. So uh, there hasn't been a huge amount of... Uh, of funny tales coming from the the press. I think they're hopefully we'll get a, a barrage of them shortly because they've been holding on to a few of them because I think they're they're kind of shying away from printing anything that's humorous at the moment because yeah they feel that it might offend someone. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I was listening. To, I was doing the housework yesterday and I had absolute radio on and they were just playing music. There was no there wasn't really any chat in between. Right, there would be mm. the occasional bit of chat to explain why they're just playing music and. They don't have the usual DJs and stuff on, so, so yeah, I guess I, I guess it'll you know it'll be a bit it'll feel a bit strange. I don't, I don't imagine many people in the UK remember a different person sitting on the throne uh, before now. So uh, I guess it'll be a bit weird. I, if I'm honest, I'm quite glad that I'm well away from it. Although Dubai is very much leaping on the bandwagon and de- and they declared a three day mourning period. But it seems to that seems to have meant that they just have the flags at half mast everywhere. And your favourite DJ Catboy, my wife told me, was getting all emotional on the, his radio, his afternoon show the other day. She was listening to him and she was driving home from work and she said Catboy was close to tears today when he was talking about the oh. Queen. Poor old Catboy. Oh, I don't say this lightly, Greg. What a fucking twat. Yeah, he is. A so twat. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> twat boy Uh, okay well I'm very sorry that he's upset I think he should get a fucking life Um, anyway okay then right Um, well I guess that covers the news for this week Mm -hmm. so before we go on to what we're going to be talking about this week let's have a little word from our sponsors whether you're moving something large or small let Shoreporters move it whether it's your home or your office let Shoreporters move it locally, nationally or worldwide you can rely on Shoreporters experience phone Aberdeen 589 381 for a quote it's the best move you'll ever make okay Greg so it was your choice of what we were going to be talking about on the Swally today so why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about on the Swally today (laughs) Um, okay, so I chose 2021's BritBox original, and for the overseas listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with BritBox, it's a streaming service um, of the best British classic drama and comedy. Um, but this is an original production for them, and it's uh, Irvin Welsh's Crime Loosely based on Irvin Welsh's book of the same name, um, it sort of ex- it sort of extrapolates uh, the backstory, I guess, um, from the book. Uh, it stars Dougray Scott, giving an absolute powerhouse performance as uh, Di Ray Lennox um, on the hunt for a serial killer and uh, and uh, and uh, sex. What was it? I guess uh, a paedophile, right? Child abductor. Yeah, yeah, a um, child abductor. Uh, a fucking nonce. A fucking nonce. <laughs> um, uh, it also stars Ken Stott, Jamie Sives, who is just a joy every time he appears on the screen. Um, it's six episodes. It's, I think we're getting another series uh, next year. I think it's been quite successful, despite the fact that I think as far as... Um, streaming services go i don't I imagine britbox is one of the more common ones so obviously you and i are big fans of Irvin welsh he released a book almost two weeks ago now called the long knives which has uh, a lot of the characters that feature in crime in it so it was quite a good a good moment to choose this did you enjoy it yeah i did yeah i really enjoyed it i think 
anything Irvin Welsh related, obviously, is going to hold a special place for us. And I think whenever it's one of the things that say we, you and I, kind of bonded over as well mm. is our love for for Irvin Welsh all those years ago. Yeah. And I think whenever something Irvin Welsh related comes out, whether it's the announcement of crime, for example, being made into a TV adaptation, or whenever one of us hears that he's got a new book coming out, my first thought is, you fucking dancer. My second thought is, I need to send this to Greg. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you, you're you probably the same, yep. vice versa. And I actually checked back in our chat, and it was you that told me about this TV adaptation right. coming out. And my response was, oh, wow, I didn't realise this was happening. Crime, obviously, I... In fact, as you've said, Irvin Welsh has a new book out, The Long Knives, which is kind of a sequel to to Crime. Mm-hmm. I think this is the longest I've gone without reading an Irvin Welsh book that's come out, yeah, if that makes too. sense. Yeah. It's been out for a couple of weeks. Haven't read it yet. I've got a train journey for like six hours later this week. I'm going to devour it on that, I think. Yeah. I remember really enjoying Crime when it first came out and thinking it was a good book. And I reread it about three years ago. And again, because I have this strange thing with Irvin Welsh. When I read a book by another author, let's say I'm reading a Stuart McBride book, I have to have like a palate cleanser in between reading another Stuart McBride book. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I, I need to have something else. I need yeah. to go and read something else. Yeah. Irvin Welsh is probably the only author that whenever I finish his new book, and I know when I finish his latest book, I need to read another Irvin Welsh book. Right. And it's something about just getting into that language and into the psyche and into the the, the way he, he has just such a way with words. I have to I have to read something else. So I've already decided that when I finish The Long Knives, I'm going to reread A Decent Ride because okay. I haven't read that for a long time. <laughs> so I think I'd, I'd reread Filth and then I reread Crime about three years ago. And I really enjoyed the book because I do like the character of Ray Lennox. Mm-hmm. However, all that's backstory. What did I think of this adaptation? Obviously, I was a bit disappointed when I realised it wasn't true to the book, yeah. so to speak. But however, it is in a way because I think is it like the first 20 pages of Crime is focused on Ray Lennox. He's had a mental breakdown after being like a cocaine and drug binge trying to catch this nonce mm-hmm. and it's it's broken him and that's exactly what this is it's the prequel yeah. to that effectively and it then him and trudy his fiance go off to florida on holiday and that's when he gets tangled up in this other child abduction case in florida yeah so as you've said it's kind of a prequel yeah i really enjoyed it because first of all it's scottish set in edinburgh it's you know beautiful parts of the city there's some absolute stellar performances in this from Dugray scott yeah from Jamie Sives, from Ken Stock. It, it's, there's some, uh, John Sim as well. You know, yeah, the, yeah. there's some really good performances in this um, in this show. I did think it was maybe a little bit too long. I think you could have gotten away with maybe a four-part episode. I think there was there was a few plot lines that I thought, it's not really a need for this. Yeah. A couple of things that were a bit drawn out and I felt they were filling for gaps because there was one storyline in particular that was wrapped up in series uh, episode three so then they introduced another story arc to mm. get them through episodes four, five, and six. Yeah. Just fucking delete the whole thing and just make it like four episodes. It'd be a bit more condensed, a bit more enjoyable. That's not to take anything away from it, though. I, I thought it was a really good show. It had me gripped. It, it had me in stitches at many points, mostly because of Jamie Sives. Yeah. Um, as, <laughs> the wonderful Doogie Gilman, or Douglas Gilman, okay. as we will uh, maybe call him later. <laughs> But yeah, I I have to say I did really enjoy this show. I mean, I, I devoured it quite quickly yeah. because I thought it was so good. What what about yourself? What were your thoughts on on crime? Uh, much the same as yours, I think. You know, I think the first sort of three episodes are brilliant. They like fly by. I think it does slow down a little bit. You mm. know, as it goes on, uh, the Welsh has written this uh, with 
Dean Kavanagh. Um, so, and you know, you, it's for those of us who know Irvin Welsh's work quite well. You, it's a lot of his um, sort of hallmarks, if you like, are there. Um, for better or worse, in some cases, you know, like the dialogue is very, very true to life and very, mm. very funny. That you that sort of gallows. Scottish humour is all over the place. But yeah, the, the storyline with the French couple and the French policeman coming over, I thought that would get tied in to the whole confectioner thing later on, and it, and, yeah. it, and it didn't. And then Trudy's sort of subplot um, like Ray's girlfriends with a bullying at work. Although it, it does, it does kind of culminate in one of the best headbutts I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, you know, I was kind of like, well, I don't really. Yeah, and again, I thought that was going to tie in somewhere with uh, with you know with Ray's um, case and the stuff about mm. uh, Ray's mum having the affair and everything like that. It's just kind of yeah, you know. I mean, it, it sort of it was a bit soapy. I thought, you know what I mean, like. In in some cases, it didn't feel like it was a it was going to be a sort of six episode um, kind of thriller. You know, it felt like they were kind of building a bit of a universe, um, which maybe they are. I mean, maybe that maybe they are doing that, and maybe we're going to see more of um, Irvin Welsh's work kind of being adapted in the same way and being and being tied mm. in. You know, I know that um, I know that they're trying to make uh, Skag Boys into a TV show. I know he's he's mentioned mm. that a few times in interviews that he's that he's he, that's something that he wants to try and do. And I think there's even been talk of doing a train spotting TV show as well, where you know, getting more getting more into more detail with the characters and um and the stories and things. So maybe maybe that's why there's there's all these sort of kind of tangents in this one, you know. Yeah, I, I read a I listened to an interview with him, uh, him and Dugray Scott mm -hmm. promoting crime. So it was from a year ago and he did say that the kind of the next project he'd probably be focusing on tv wise would be the blade artist right okay which is uh yeah something he wants to do but but he did also say it's a couple of years away yet mm -hmm. because he and, and i listened to another interview to colin murray and he, he says he kind of he writes the book finishes the book and it takes like a year for the book to come out mm -hmm. he has to do like a book tour and speak about it he's fucking sick of it yeah so he said like, i i need to leave it for like five years or so before i can even look at it again and that's the thing with like the blade artist it's only she says it only came out a few years ago. Yeah. So I need to leave that for a while. So it'll be a couple of years before we can develop that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think crime took, uh, was it 2008? Um, the, book, the book came out. Yeah. And this the TV show itself was in development for nearly 10 years mm -hmm. from when they initially decided to come up with the idea. So the way Welsh and, and Scott say they were at a, a Hibs do about 10 years ago and met each other mm -hmm. and had the usual kind of schmoozy chat and Scott had said to Welsh, you know, you're, you're my favourite author and, and Welsh says, oh, well, you know, I think you're a great actor. We, you know, we should do something together mm -hmm. at one point. And Dugray Scott had just read Crime and said, you know, I'd love to do something like this. And so I think it took a, a little bit of time, I guess, Welsh had probably at that time thought, yeah, it's a, it's a bit too soon. It's a bit too close. Yeah. Let's just wait. And so I think they, it was maybe about five years ago, things started ramping up. And of course, Degree Scott's production company it, is heavily involved in this. So that's why he was so invested in this role and in the show. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it took a little bit of time. And of course, COVID would have hit. And I think that that was maybe why, I think the initial idea was for them to do the the actual book of crime and, and go off to to Florida. Yeah. But they said, you know, budget constrictions and of course the, the COVID. So it meant that they were quite restricted in, in what they had to do. But I think they've done well. 
mm. in terms of the the actual the show. But I, I I agree with you. I think the I could have done without the the Trudy plot line with her, her work. However, I can see that if the whole show is just Lennox and Drummond chasing yeah Mr. Confectioner, you need something else to break up the story a little bit and have a little bit of light relief or have something else that you can focus on. But I, I think the 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 case with the, the French man would have been the French couple. Sorry, would have been ideal to have that because then you've got the interaction there with yeah. Luke Gilman and, and Louis even the part with his mum and dad I can see where that goes because that's Ray effectively opening up on his demons of you know his dad having the heart attack at the football and, and that kind of being a, a catalyst for things and I, I could see why they've introduced that storyline <sighs> I just the only reason I can think about the Trudy part is because to show that she has her own things going on as well, and, and you know when she shouts at Ray about you, you know I've got problems as well. Yeah, and of course Ray shouts back, "I'm trying to chase a pedo here. This isn't the fucking gas board." Yeah, yeah. It kind of highlights the the difference in their their work. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but yeah, I thought I could have done without too many tangents and and places they shoot off to. Well, I would say about Degree Scott in this. I mean, he is absolutely brilliant he's kind of i've not seen him in a lot of stuff of late he would i know he made the batwoman show in the u.s uh and he got a bit of um that ruby rose complained mm. about him after after she left uh saying that he, he was a bully and all that but then everybody 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 else worked in the show was like he's absolutely sound um it's you <laughs> it's, you're the prick <laughs> And, you know, but he's because he famously he missed out on the role of Wolverine to oh. um, what's his name, Hugh Jackman, because Mission Impossible Two ran longer than scheduled, and he wasn't able to do it. And you, you mm. have to wonder what would have, um, what way would his career have gone had he had he got that big that big part after Mission Impossible? You know, who knows? It's a huge thing because Mission Impossible Two is massive, mm. and obviously Wolverine made Hugh Jackman's career effectively. Yeah, undoubtedly. Not not the first time that well not the only time Scott has missed out, I think, on a, a massive role. I I read that he turned down the part of Aragon in the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, I heard that as well, I think. Yeah. And I also read an interview from him a few years ago. And, and okay, it's not I don't know how far down the line it was, but just before Die Another Day, the James Bond film Brosnan wasn't sure if he was going to do it. Right. And apparently Barbara Broccoli approached Dougray Scott to ask him if he'd be interested to play Bond. And then Brosnan decided, I'll do one more. And then by that point, after then, you know, a few years later, Daniel Craig had kind of come on. He'd done Layer Cake and he became the favourite. Dougray Scott would have been a pretty fucking good Bond, I think, back in the day. He's a Connery kind of mould. Like, he would have been good. But back in the early... 2000s which is when we're talking about yeah because he's got you know he's got the sort he's got the kind of the sort of dark good looks and quite a big fella but not like a not like a sort of schwarzenegger big but you know sort of broad shoulders <laughs> and stuff yeah yeah it looks you know sort of similar sort of build to daniel craig and he's mm. it, i guess they're probably around about the same age as well um i mean again i, I sort of keep coming back to the fact that it got such a limited release um, through this Brit box because he, he is going for it. You know what I mean? He's absolutely mm. going for it. He, he's, I think he's particularly good in the early episodes where he's really sort of fighting the urge to have a drink and, yeah. you know, 
by drugs and everything and he keeps having these little flashes of what he'd be doing if he was doing it you know what I mean and you're never sure at first yeah. if he has he fallen off the wagon and then it comes back to him and you're like oh it's just a it's just a fantasy he's, he's holding it together and the scenes where he is at the uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings as well are so good and I think just generally speaking it's and maybe they maybe this is one of the sort of strengths of doing a kind of a sort of more limited releases um like the edinburgh accents are just all in you know there's no softening there's no softening anything there's no they don't feel a need to put a lot lot of exposition in for some of the more shall we say kind of squat scottish kind of quirk uh, quirks Mm. that are there oh completely i mean almost every sentence comes out of scott's mouth and and, eh? i know know, we do that eh? Um, Which also made me wonder, and not to go off on another tangent, but of course, the Canadians are quite famous for, you know, what's it all about, eh? Yeah. They obviously got that from Edinburgh, from our, you know, from Scotland. Definitely. So it crossed my mind when watching that. But <laughs> yeah, they, they don't shy away with the accents in this at all. So we find out the kind of broad story. Um, the series begins with uh, the abduction of a, of a young girl. Uh, a young teenage girl and we learn through Dougray's through Ray Lennox's investigations that he historically had investigated a rash of um, child abductions and murders supposedly committed by uh, a serial killer called the Confectioner who we believe is in jail although uh, Ray Lennox has never felt that the person who is in jail for the crimes was the actual culprit. We also learn that Ray has been abused himself in the past uh, with his best mate, Bobby the Barman. <laughs> Still game. <laughs> and, and as you mentioned, he's he's fighting a crippling addiction. He's on the verge of a nervous breakdown um, through the whole show. He's passionately, you know, he's, he's sort of emotionally invested in the case, um, you know, he's sort of struggling to keep the kind of professional separation there. And he's also accompanied by the lovely Amanda Drummond, who, as a character, we've seen before, because um, she's in Filth. But here she's played by the excellent uh, Joanna Vanderham. I thought she was really good. I've never I seen her in anything brilliant. before. No, me neither. And I thought she was fantastic. The Her character, as much as Ray Lennox goes on a journey, you can see... Drummond going on a journey as well. Yeah. From the first time you see her, she finds out she's getting paired with Ray and she is almost like, oh, fuck, no, mm-hmm. not this guy. And the some of the scenes between the two of them when they're just having a little bit of banter are yeah. so good. And the real interaction, she softens to him. And you know, she's she's a good, well-rounded character. You know, the way she stands up to, to Doogie Gilman in the restaurant yeah. and things. And later on, of course, the way she stands up to her ex-boyfriend, which is, she has a whole range and she does a really good sympathetic face and but also suspicious face her facial expressions are brilliant yeah. in, in this you know exactly what she's thinking and that's not because I was looking at her probably the whole time she was on screen because obviously yeah. she's, well, she's a very, gorgeous, very yeah. attractive woman yeah. but yeah she delivers such a good performance and you're really rooting for her and Ray as a team and Honestly, I've never seen her in anything, and she was so good in this. Absolutely brilliant. But as you say, she sort of starts out, um, I guess, like a sort of modern kind of policeman, uh, police, hmm. police lady. Um, you know, she's yeah. a bit, she's kind of progressive, and I guess Lennox is a bit more sort of old school, um, a bit like Doogie, but maybe not quite as old school as Doogie Gilman. Um, and uh, you know, she's as she comes to understand him uh, and understand 
why he's so driven like to go above and beyond to find this guy and this girl and stuff and you know there's a sort of hardening of her mm. you know like the scene in the restaurant when they're when they go to arrest the the french guy and mm. um you know he, i think he sticks the head on her doesn't he or something like that yeah and, yeah you know she you know you see the kind of physical side of her as she gets as she gets mm. stuck in you know yeah i like that because yeah he headbutts her and then as he's running away she's the one that throws the pan of boiling potatoes over him yes, and, yeah that uh, yeah stops him so you're like yes come on yeah yeah that was a yeah she really does go on a really good journey i think as a character and i was i was really happy that say to see the progression and to see the the relationship between her and bray they obviously mm-hmm. right care about each other and i think it's is it maybe in episode two when she says about okay stop mansplaining to me like talk to me like you talk to Ginger, yeah. and yeah. he just turns around. And he's like, "Right, let's get to the bar." He's around. He's like, "You fat cunt," or something yeah. like that. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and she breaks out in a smile, which is good because yeah. you would think Amanda Drummond, that we've maybe seen in Filth, would be horrified by that. And so I think it's a a good progression of the character, and and yeah, really well rounded. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing her and Ray on screen together and interacting. And of course the things when they go to the the old paedophile's house and she's standing on his oxygen tube yeah, yeah. when he's not given the info. And <laughs> that's the kind of pushing the boundary. The, Ray's rubbing off on her yeah. the more time they spend together, which is is beautiful to see. Yeah. And they 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 have, you know, they when he's when he's starting to to realise that he's losing control of his urges to drink and drug and things and you know when she mentions about how she'd been in therapy and he asks mm. he, you know he's he, he asks her for uh, the details of well for of laura fraser as it turns out who plays the doctor um yeah, yeah. i mean i think you know cause the character that exists in filth in the movie i think just as another hurdle for bruce another challenge for uh, bruce robertson and i thought imogen puts as good um as um mm. as amanda drummond but she's, you know i think to your point she doesn't have really have a an awful lot to do in the film um no although she, there is that good scene when she tries to sort of help bruce when he's having a bit mm. of a breakdown in the on the stairs in the police station but uh yeah no she's really really good um joanna vanderham i'm sure will be seen her a lot more coming up to tie in a couple of points talking about um you were saying degree scott's acting before he starts to go off the rails in yeah. the last few episodes as you say it's a couple of beautiful moments where he, he goes into the pub for example and he orders a pint of lager and a whiskey and then he he does his little mantra of reciting ex hearts players and stuff that he obviously tried to talk him out of, of drinking and i thought it was great you see the pint and nip sitting there he's gone and see him do that a couple of times and it's it's when him and drummond are in the restaurant and he pours himself a glass of wine from the bottle Mm -hmm. and she says oh i thought you weren't drinking and he's i know just one yeah so had she ordered that whole bottle of wine for herself (laughs) maybe (laughs) it's on duty yeah just having a bit of lunch so she's ordered a whole bottle of wine to have with her lunch (laughs) i mean they don't neither of them drink any of it but it was just a, a point that i wondered like hmm, that's a bit of a, a strange thing for her to have anyway mm-hmm. uh yeah just wondered about that did, well did, did he buy the wine or did she buy it no because she's got a, a glass of wine poured and the bottle's on the table and they're talking but he's got a glass in front of him and you see him looking and then he's like ah fuck it and he picks it up and starts pouring it. yeah um but he doesn't drink any of it because uh 
Gilman and Louis come into the pub. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a few times where he just buys a drink and looks at it yeah. and then leaves it. I think, they, I think one of the first scenes when he goes into a bar, he orders a pint and just sticks it on the just and a, and a whiskey and just stands looking at it and then his phone goes and he disappears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few times, so I thought that was good. That's kind of the way that he obviously tries to get through things, but of course yeah. he goes off the rails slightly later on. And then, of course, like, like my favorite performance in this is Jamie Sives as Dookie Gilman. He's just absolutely brilliant every time he comes on. It's such a different character to his um, character in uh, Guilt. You know, the the, 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 the sort of kind-hearted, music-loving Jake to the hard-nosed, old-school, slightly racist (laughs) Dougie Gilman. I think with a character like this, you have to be very careful in terms of overuse or overexposure. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think they could have used this character any more perfectly than they have. He's in like, what, maybe two, three scenes an episode? Yeah. And he steals the show every episode. It, from the first point you see him, when he's walking up those stairs and he says, like, I've got two dead bodies in the end, you're wanting to ride them, they're still warm. <laughs> you're instantly like, oh, this is, yeah, this guy's going to be good. He's, he's just got some of the best one lines. And even some of the, he, he doesn't even have to say anything. I think it's, is it in the first episode? He does something to Lennox and he just wheels away in his chair, giving him the <laughs> yeah, finger. Yeah. And it's just... <laughs> Yeah, but he's he's genuinely just got some of the I've written down actually in my notes Gilman's best bits because there's so many good parts that he has that just absolutely steal it from me from the you know two deep bodies you want to ride them um, when he bursts into Toll's office when they've just found out Drummond and Lennox are being partners and he's you know I've got two deep fringe people half full of his spunk and (laughs) 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 the whole just anti-French you know yeah yeah <laughs> these French cunts obviously well that's got rid of the tatty water yeah is, yep. uh what he's he's I'd, I'd never heard that before but obviously I'm going to be using that again yeah quite a lot I think <laughs> yeah um the whole speech with his wife when he's trying to make up with her and he just delivers this beautiful impassioned speech mm-hmm. and he's like you know well he must be banging someone because he's no gee and me the message on him <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> and of course at the end the, the, the last episode his whole rant about he used to be a fat cunt and he went on this diet eating all these nuts and stuff anyway I've been going through some old footies turns out he's an ex-fat boy obviously bullied well you can't say that for sure no 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 fat boys are there either bullied or be bullied sole purpose thank you for that and then he's me. found some exercise and diet plan raw meat seeds or that pish just about the time the bairns started to vanish. What are you saying? Well, I'm not suggesting that the diet turned him into a nonch kidnapper, but it's just a signifier that he was getting ready to wreak his revenge on the world. Revenge for what? For being a fat prick. Fat boys are eye fat inside. It doesn't matter how much coral reef they shed. It's the most un-PC and, and even... Just his interactions with, you know, Drummond and, and the other um, female cop when he's asking about, the, you know, you two lesbos. It's just, you just need to look at him and crack up laughing. Yeah, yeah. And I think they don't overuse him, which yeah, is yeah. so important in this because it could have become a complete parody mm-hmm. and, and really bad. It, it's it's not a parody. I, I genuinely believe he works in that office and he is like that and they just put up with him because he probably does get results. Yeah. But he just, 
it's just a dinosaur left over from an older time. But yeah, he's he's just absolutely fantastic. They sort of lose the thread of part of him when not part of him, the character, but part of his sort of storyline because they, my favourite part of his is when he's um stalling uh the lawyer for mm. uh Derek uh, for the the counsellor by Derek Riddell. Yeah. He's uh he's <laughs> he's stalling him by walking him all all around the police station. And of course, it makes a few off-color remarks of essentially accusing the lawyer of being a racist, but in doing so, making some quite racist remarks himself. Um, and um, you know, Toll tells him that he's look, you know, there's going to be a, there's got to be a mm. consequence. He's put a complaint in, blah blah blah, and you're and you're like, oh fucking hell, what they're gonna? Does that mean they're going to get suspended? We're not going to see him again. But then it just sort of continues as if nothing happened. You know? Yeah. I mean, does that happen? Yeah, and there must have been a. Does that happen before? Like it happens before Lennox and Drummond arrest his suspect because he's in the he's a yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a he's away at the roger moore's <laughs> you're cracked up at that text so message <laughs> <laughs> your mate's a big fan of the old roger mooring yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so he's obviously not been taken off duty you know, because they're trying to find him so he can get his own collar, you know. Maybe he's gone round and paid the solicitor a visit before he can put in the official complaint. <laughs> yeah. You never know with Dougie Gilman. <laughs> I mean, they, they, the very last scene, or not quite the very last scene, but the sort of climax of uh, the confectioner's interview when um, uh, Ken Stott says, we're in the stoppage time now. And uh, we're in the stoppage time now, Dougie. And he's like, right. <laughs> and he gets, gets, the, gets the cloth off the cleaner's trolley. <laughs> um, now, in terms of the name Mr. Confectioner, yeah. do you think they just had to go for that because Candyman was taken? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's a bit of a crap name, but whereas, you know, Candyman is a lot better. I watched the new Candyman the other day. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's, it's not... Not Great. very good. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> no. very good. I mean, but you look at all the people that are involved in it. It should have been a lot better. But yeah, Mister Confectioner, like he's not. He's abducting. Okay, still kids, but they're like fifteen to thirteen. Yeah. As they say, when he abducts Kylie, she's not your mo because she's too young. Yeah. So you don't associate confectionery with Nonsense. older children. So I don't <laughs> know. Right. I thought. I thought Mr. Confectioner was a, a bit of a shit name. Anyway. I mean, it's, never been, it's been so um, long since I read the book. Is is that the name of the character in the book? I, I couldn't remember. Um, I, I genuinely couldn't remember. And I wanted to go back and check, but it was only this morning I remembered that I should probably check that. And I didn't have time because, <laughs> as you're aware, I had a few Wi-Fi issues this morning. Yeah, so fair enough. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll come back to Mr. Confectioner later. Sorry, I just wanted to go on a tangent when I wrote that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, Mr. Douglas Gilman is uh, yeah fantastic um, as Jamie Jamie Sives is in the role. He's so good. And then, but there's a, a bit, there's some more like sort of. I mean, I guess probably the next person to talk about is uh, Ken Stott. But before we do, I mean, there's a load of um, like Scottish acting gold 
in this like Derek yeah. Riddle. Yeah. Um he's really good in it. Uh Laura Fraser, mm. yeah, you know, she's always nice to see her. She doesn't have an yeah. awful lot to do. Ewan Stewart is uh Ray's dad. Um mm. you know, another fine actor. I think the last time we had him on was um Down Among the Big Boys, I think, wasn't it? Was the last time I, we had him on? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Forbes Masson uh, turns uh, turns up in there mm. in a, a sort of crucial but small role. Yeah, just I mean they got like brilliant people. Uh Joanne Rossi from River City <laughs> otherwise known as um, Alison McKenzie but yeah but yeah come back to Ken Stott as Bob Toll so Bob Toll was played by the late um, what's his name uh, oh, fucking hell John Sessions John Sessions in Filth uh, he passed away a couple of years ago um, now I was going to ask you about Ken Stott do you think mm. is there an actor who's played a policeman more than Ken Stott in his we've, career we've already dis- we've already discussed this have we We've discussed this on the Down Among the Big Boys episode. Oh, and yeah, we had a, a conversation about this because we said, yes, he does seem to play a, a police officer a lot. Yeah. Um, and he does. And this is another one we can chalk up to. Because uh, I think we, we said that, you know, even like Shallow Grave and, mm-hmm. and Rabus and uh, the Debt Collector. Sorry, it was the Debt Collector we discussed this on, yeah, yeah. not Down Among the Big yeah, Boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember we did have a, a conversation about this on that episode because yeah. that was... Uh, what led to me thinking about it so yeah he does he does always seem to play and he just pulls this off so well as the kind of aging chief of the department mm-hmm. he's trying to appease this ragtag bunch that he's got you know he's obviously got the old guard like as you say lennox and and uh, gilman yeah he's trying to appease the new guard like drummond He's just trying to get results. All he's just getting nagged from above, and all they care about is arrest figures and, mm-hmm. and results, and that's all he's trying to to do at the moment. He's basically just trying to ride out to retirement. Yeah, and he's just trying to get his arrest figures up, and that's why you see he's just trying to pin anything on anyone. So when that guy in the the cagoule comes in basically confessing to all these murders toll straight away it's like yes fine pin it on him get him to sign a statement he's trying to get the confectioner to confess to crimes that he couldn't have possibly committed just to get them off the fucking (laughs) off his desk (laughs) and get those figures up (laughs) he's an old school guy but you could tell he has glimpses when he obviously cares yeah and he cares about ray when his dad passes away for example he's very much this like ray go home And as as much as he is a bit of a hard nosed guy chasing results and wanting to do things the right way, he also and you can tell that he's constricted by the powers above in terms of finance and arrest figures and, and mm-hmm. he's not maybe used to that, but it, it's being forced on him and, and that's the way of his thinking now. He's forgotten about real police work in a way. Yeah. It's all about just get make sure it's on budget and you get the arrest and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um and you you get the impression that he's there's like little hints that he might still be working on his screenplay as well. Yes, <laughs> you know because that's a, a big part of the character's story and filth is that he's a sort of frustrated screenwriter and he, he feels he's got this sort of police story to tell. Because I, I think there's a scene when Lennox is appealing to him for something and he said. That's what he says. Something like that's what that's one of my lines, or something like that. He says, yeah. um, <laughs> "He's uh, yeah, he's 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 so good in this, and they, you know, they the sort of that scene that, that I mentioned before when he sort of lets Doogie Gilman loose on yeah. uh, John Sim, uh, the confectioner. You know, they you can tell, you know, the, you you get the feeling that whilst he on the face of things he might be a modern progressive uh, policeman, that he, you know that." 
in certain occasions will call for perhaps less politically correct actions. You know what I mean? And sort of kind of bending the rules and to make sure people are punished. He's so good. Yeah, he's so good in this. I mean, it's bizarre that we've not had more things on the Swally with Ken Slot in it. I think it's only the second one we've done, right? Um, I think it's the third we did. I oh, do need Gave. to update the Swally yeah. tally, actually. Yeah, Shallow I am. Gave, my I apologies. I've been I've been meaning to update the Swally tally, but it keeps getting away from me. But yes, yeah. I think this is only the third um thing that he's been in, which is bizarre when mm. you look at how much he's been in. Oh, um, yeah. but yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, the debt collector, shallow grave, and this pretty much. So I think there'll probably be more Ken Stott to come on the Swally. I mean, I probably need to look at. Well, we take a break from crime for a, a few weeks, but we need to take a, a look at his turn as Rabus, I guess. Yeah. Before, of course, John Hanna kind of took. Was it John Hanna that took over? No, he t- he took over from John Hanna. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, he took over from John Hanna, of course. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, maybe look at a little bit of um, his turn on that. But yeah, so I think we, yeah, he, he's a kind of a institution, Ken Stott. Um, mm-hmm. And it is surprising that we haven't done more of his stuff. But yeah, he's just fantastic. And just, just his, his presence whenever he's on screen, he's just brilliant. And then his way, I think probably only him and Gilman, the, 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 some of their swearing and interactions. <laughs> like when they, when they go to pick up Louis from the train, it's just hilarious, <laughs> the banter between the two of them when they're, they're waiting for him. It's great. <laughs> um, so lots of, um, lots of words for paedophile used in this um, in this drama. <laughs> uh, nonce is one that we've mentioned a few times. Uh, short eyes. <laughs> um, it's one that you don't hear a lot of. No. <laughs> and, uh, and have, another... you a, have you got a list? No, there. no. Well, I oh. did make a list, but I, I don't want to abuse all those words. <laughs> you can use them. You can use them. It's fine. No, it's, it's fine. Um, one... <laughs> One um, expression that I did, I think, I think it was a, it was a Gilmanism that I liked was DJK um, for, they say not because was it to do with uh, Lennox's sobriety or something? Now that you're DJK, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did like that. You're right, that was very good. What did you make of Angela Griffiths? Or Fiona from Coronation Street is it's difficult to think of her as anything other. Well, that's what she'll always be kind yeah. of known as for me. I think, yeah, Fiona from Coronation Street, because it was such a, a big role for her. I have seen her in a few other things. Like uh-huh. She's carved out a decent enough kind of yeah. career, I think, in, in doing quite a few things. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, she was in Cutting It, of course, going from like being one hairdresser to another. And then I think the most recent thing I saw her in was that Netflix show White Lines. Oh yeah, the one with you um, watched that. Yeah, I, I've watched the first one. Um, yeah, I couldn't really get into it. I maybe have to give it. Another. Is it good? Is it worth watching? Um, it's okay. It's if you're bored, then <laughs> you know what I mean. It, it's one of those things. It's okay. Nothing yeah. massive of consequence happens. It's quite interesting. Okay, I think mind you, it's like ten episodes. So maybe I don't know if it was worth that mm-hmm. length of. Um, of time i will say yeah like daniel mays is brilliant in yeah that. Um, i mean he's always and brilliant. then yeah so i think he's kind of steals it and and laura haddock's good to look at so that's mm-hmm. kind of about it for white lines i would say it's worth a watch if you're desperately bored one day no she was fine she was good as trudy um yeah. tell she obviously cares for ray uh you could tell that she is aware obviously of all his demons and she's obviously likes a snoop round his flat 
and finds his little room uh, where he's got his pin board with all of his um, sort of case files for Mr. Confectioner. Doesn't seem that phased by it, really. Yeah. She's okay with it. So I guess because she knows he's a copper, so it's not like he's a serial killer. Yeah. So it would be maybe a bit different if she searched, like if she'd opened his laptop and found he'd been looking for pegging or something, then maybe <laughs> she might be a bit more concerned. <laughs> But yeah, she's very supportive and even when she goes to meet him for lunch and he's ordered a pint and the pint arrives at the bar and instantly you're thinking, ah, fuck, ah, fuck. You know, he was hoping to skull that pint before she arrives Mm -hmm. and he just plays it off. Ah, first of the day, eh? It's the only one I'll have. Yeah, yeah. And... She seems okay with it. Yeah, yeah. She seems fine. She puts up with a lot of shit because Drummond keeps coming and, and taking him away mm-hmm. um, to go on various things. And she's there for him when you know when his dad passes away and he, they have a couple of fights, but they, they make up. Yeah. And obviously she's there for him at the end. You know, they're, they're I presume, off to Florida on their yeah. holidays at the, at the very end. So I thought she was good. Like I say, I, I could have kind of done without her subplot, really. Yeah. Um, but hey, it filled a bit of time, I suppose. <laughs> I didn't think it was hugely interesting, no. apart from, as you say, probably giving us one of the best headbutts yeah. I've seen. What, um, what I liked about the character, I mean, I, I, it's not a particular... Often in these sort of dramas, the, the kind of wife or girlfriend, they, they sort of stereotype them a bit into this, well, it's me or the job. You know what I mean? Into that sort of scenario. With her, you know, that you mentioned before, she is really understanding. You know, even when mm. even when Lennox, you know, when they're when they're in bed together and uh, Drummond comes has to come in and uh, fill Lennox in on something and, and all that, you know, and they having their dates cut short and everything. But she's mm. all she's like understanding all the way, pretty much. It's yeah. like there's there's one moment where she has a bit of a wobble, just I think it's just before uh, Ray's dad passes away um because when, and i guess it's when she this she's at the sort of height of her own issue at that point but yeah. um but yeah no it was i thought it was quite interesting it'd be interesting to see if you know what they do with her if they get another series out of it you know and mm. and, and and what they do with the relationship but no I, I thought she i thought she was good i think you know you're right and she's quite often people leave soaps and you never hear them again until they come back on the they, they either turn up at the panto <laughs> playing like Prince Charming or Snow White or something or they end up back in the show but she's kind of cracked on and, and and done quite a lot of interesting stuff so yeah I think there is the case for some mostly that I think of it now really Coronation Street people I think like Sarah Lancashire has yeah. done a very well you know good career and, and Saran Jones as well yeah um, she's done particularly well Coronation she, Street yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think you know Griffin's is maybe not gone to those heights but she's she's carved out a good career of of maybe playing the girlfriend or the neighbor or it, mm-hmm. you know, in those shows she's maybe not going to be the lead like saran jones or um, yeah. sarah lancashire but she's she's doing a, a a good job and yeah she's she is really great in this and I, I would be interested there wasn't when she came on screen i was like oh fuck this bit again you know yeah like I, I i'm still interested i want to know where it's going but once it had kind of passed and i thought about it i was like oh, could i done without that storyline really it didn't go anywhere Unless yeah. it was just to show, and I think that's probably the only reason it was to show that she had her own issues going on, mm-hmm. and maybe Ray kind of was so blinkered with his that yeah, yeah. couldn't um, couldn't understand. When um, so we mentioned before, the confectioner is uh, revealed to be John Sim. <laughs> mm. I had no idea that he was going to show up, and I I like John Sim a lot no. as an actor. I like, really like him. Um, mm. So. But I did think that the confectioner was going to be unmasked as somebody that we knew already. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it was all, like the person was always right, right under our noses. I actually thought it might be the the guy that Trudy sticks a nut on at her work. You know what I mean? I thought it might. Okay. Tu- I thought it might have turned out to be him because it's all sort of connected. And obviously, it, it, it wasn't. But um, yeah, I, I can't imagine that there's many actors who would take a part of a serial murderer and child killer and molester and you know and when the script calls for them to go into sort of gleeful detail of their crimes you know that like he does in the interview room you know when he, mm. he describes what he did to some of these girls i just i just i've always really liked uh, john sim as an actor and i think he's you know he he's he's kind of brave guy you know what i mean like he's sort of brave in the roles that he takes and you know and especially i mean that's basically what an episode and a half something like that that he's in is he because they think they catch him in episode five right they catch him at the very end of episode four or four so he's in two episodes the last two episodes yeah of course there's a lot going on in -hmm. those other two episodes so you don't see him for a huge amount i think the interview scenes are, are pretty well handled ish i think there are some good parts i mean i think nowadays we're spoiled for interview scenes with Line of Duty. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know if you watched the the Netflix show Criminal. I've seen a couple of them, yeah. They're fantastic. So yeah. I think Line of Duty sets the standard of interview scenes and, and everyone just loves the interview scenes now. Yeah. But I thought they were handled quite well and Sim is fantastic, mm-hmm. as you say. Yeah. Very chilling, believable. He's just got this air of confidence. You know, when they arrest him and he's in the interview room and he's laying out his demands that he yeah. wants a pipe and backy, I like a good shag, yeah. and wants his tea and food, all organic, pret, preferably. Yeah. He knows he's got them yeah. when he wants them. Yeah. What I want to know is, how does he know about Lennox being abused? Or is he just picking up on this? Just Has he been following it. Lennox round? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this why he thinks Lennox is so dogged to, to catch him? Because yeah. he's he's hiding his own kind of abuse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that was that was what I sort of took from it, was that he, you know, he's perceived it. Well, we find out that he was also a victim of abuse, right? When mm. he was younger. So he, yeah. he, he I guess he, he knows, he knows the signs. He knows what to look for. Um, and I think he has observed Lennox because he's been sort of one step ahead of them the whole time. You know, they, it's, it's only really at the very end of the interview when he thinks that he's sort of broken Lennox and Lennox comes back at him and then, <laughs> then Doogie comes in. Um, ignoring his pleas for a lawyer, um, you know, like he's, you feel that he's in control of the situation. Like you feel like I don't know. You just like when in the earlier episodes when they're finding clues and everything, you you just get the there's a feeling that this guy's t- he's too smart for them. They're never going to catch him. Yeah. He's always sort of one step ahead of them all the way, you know. And then he sort of gives himself up at the end. You know, when they arrest them. Yeah. You know, Which, do you think he just had enough? Or, because obviously he wants to kind of turn the tables on Lennox and Lennox yeah. to confess. And, and, but why? Is he just fed up, had enough? He, he does say that this is his fucking Picasso yeah. and that he's an artist and, and this is what he's created. So yeah. he's done 15, was 15 his number and that's it. Now he's like, okay, I'll just happily go on the beast wing and live out my days. So, how was the feisty little tyke? Who cares? She was just bit. You wanted me, you got me. Why? To see if you're the one to tell my story to. My work's a fucking Picasso. It's time. 
the world needs to know. I've been at this a while, and I ain't spilling to just anyone. So, why don't you tell me about yourself? Yeah, well, that's it. That's the sort of impression that you get. You know that he's he's sort of make he's the kind of point of his of his murders. It's not it's not just about his own sort of twisted gratification. It's some sort of statement that he's trying to make. You know, and make a point about certain things and make a point about the government and you know mm-hmm. hs1 comes up at one point right the high speed train line mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing yeah but it's just i mean it's just so fucking good uh john sim you know what i mean and you, you you sort of feel everybody sort of up their game a little bit when when they're acting with them you know yeah he's a really believable the, the menacing tone and you know, a couple of times he does kind of lose it, and yeah. you're really you're really invested in him, and very chilling. And as you say, there's not a lot of ca- actors that potentially would want to take the part of this evil nonce, yeah, killer, but also that could pull it off as effectively as him mm-hmm. to be as as chilling. And you know, and his wife, his ex-wife, is is speaking about how the only way he could get it up was to choke her, yeah, and things like that. You're like, wow, okay, yeah, so guess that's why he's been doing this to to these girls it's, yeah uh yeah he does play it brilliantly he's a great actor john sim oh. he's not in enough stuff really but i guess he's probably been in enough that he's can just kind of pick and choose what he's doing now i've always wondered why he i always got the feeling that he was going to be like a film star you know what i mean i remember the mm. first I, th- I think the first thing i saw him in was the lakes remember did you ever watch the yeah. lakes and then yes. I had um I had a movie that he was in like quite an old film it had um Andrew Lincoln in it as well called Boston Kickout really good soundtrack um it's mm. sort, of, sort of set in Stevenage in the sort of late 80s early 90s it was good but I guess his his big thing is um life on Mars right that's I guess yeah. that that's his that's what he's going to be well yeah. so far that's what he's um going to be uh remembered for and I suppose his his time on Doctor Who as well. He was pretty good in Doctor yeah. Who, but I always thought he would go on to maybe go to America, or he would mm. he would be more of a, he'd become like a film star. But he seems to have sort of stayed in. And maybe it's yeah. a choice, you know. I don't know. I think he's he strikes me as quite happy as just doing these TV shows. Mm. You know, six part. Did you? There was a show he was on. It was great. Um, called Mad Dogs. Did you ever watch that? I never saw it. It was on Sky, wasn't it? I never saw it, but I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's like it's four, well, it's five old school friends, but one of them dies in the first season, so it's four. Mm-hmm. So it's like John Sim, Max Beasley, Mark Warren, yeah. and Philip Glenister. Yeah. And they just get tangled up in these kind of drug dealers, adventures, things. But they're, yeah, he, he's brilliant in that. That's a really good show. I enjoyed that. Got a bit far-fetched towards the end because it ran for about three or four series and they kind of upped the ante every yeah. season. But um, it, yeah, it was good. But yeah, I, I think he's probably quite happy in just doing... If you look at his IMDb and the stuff he's done, he is in, you know, six-part things mm-hmm. pretty much every year, at least one or two consistently. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a current uh, grace. He's a, a Brighton-based detective superintendent. He's got a, a current, you know, five, six-part series out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think he's just you know if you can get away with doing stuff like that then great i guess it's like degree scott in a way you know he could have been a massive global megastar mm-hmm. but 
is he, he's maybe just happy doing what he's doing. He's married to Claire Forlani. He's getting to make Irvin Welsh yeah. adaptations. You know, he's well enough known that people know him. He's probably set for life. He mm. doesn't have all the hassle of having to do all the fucking stuff. He can go and watch Hibs whenever he wants. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of what you want, really, isn't it? Yeah. You don't want to be Leonardo DiCaprio on these super yachts with 22-year-old models. No, fuck that. A pain in the ass, right? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you might be right. I mean, I know he it, it does a lot of, um, I think he does a lot of theatre as well, you know, so he's mm. he's kind of, you know, he, he takes it all very seriously, I think. Um, proper actor. Prop, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say proper actor because it sort of implies that people who don't act in the theatre aren't proper actors. True. Um, but, you know. Scratch he's... that, sorry. <laughs> Not that I know any actors proper or otherwise, to be honest with you. you know what I mean? Well, did you enjoy the uh, the flashback away day scene when they're off to the. When they're off to. Where do they go to Dundee? They go to Dundee to watch. Yeah. Um, Hearts played Dundee United in the cup fight in the yeah, I mean, that's last game of the season. Very, yeah, very famous game. Mm. The Dundee Hearts. Hearts could have won the league that year. And yeah. Albert Kidd scored two goals. Yeah. It, it was nice to see. And I thought that was quite nicely done and yeah. well done. See the flashback. And, and it's it was very true to life in mm. terms of Lennox feeling bad that his dad had taken him with the football all these years. And here's one of the biggest games they've ever been to. And he decides to go with his mates. Yeah. And his dad's just sat on the bus himself. Very true to life, I thought, and very poignant as well. Yeah. That was a scene I liked as well because it shows how Lennox develops through his therapy with Laura Fraser's character. Mm -hmm. Because you see him four times in these therapy sessions. The first time he goes and sits in the armchair upright and talks to her. Second time you see him there, he's sat on the sofa. Third time you see him, he's lying down on the sofa. Mm -hmm. Fourth time you see him, he's lying down on the sofa and he's crying. Yeah. And she's the one that says that hours up. And it shows that it's developing and it's working for him. Yeah, yeah. And he's getting through these things and he's breaking down the barriers and talking to her. So to see those flashbacks, it was it was great to see you know, kind of the old hearts. And I, I, I thought that was one of the few times I've seen stock footage melted with newly shot footage because yeah. they put kind of the sepia on yeah, the new footage do, yeah. and made it look good. And I thought, and I think they might have put that on the stock footage as well, the old footage. It, it made it look really it authentic. Did. Yeah, it did. And I really liked those scenes. And I thought that set a good tone because the whole way through probably the first four or five episodes, they've been teasing this tunnel and what happens. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until, I think season six is the first, season six, episode six is the first time you, or does he mention Les in episode five but when he mentions Les and then you see at the start Les with the girls and then setting fire at the pigeon mm-hmm. and then the best part was the big reveal who Les was yeah um when it was <laughs> and it was Gavin Mitchell yeah. uh, I absolutely loved that and hey fair play he's he's good he's, he's really got a good few lines yeah. but he's really good yeah i was pleased for i was pleased to see him doing like doing like some real drama like you know like oh. to your point it's 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 not on the screen for long but the conversation that he has in the park with um lennox with Dougie scott playing lennox and explaining how he how he has dealt because we find out that lennox hasn't actually he either hasn't been abused or he's not no he's not been a he's not had it as badly as les um that's what he says i didn't get it as bad as him it feels guilty i still got it yeah he feels guilty because he ran he ran away and left and left his friend there and they that they that the conversation they have when les explains how he's sort of come to terms with it you know and how his family 
like having some somebody else to live for with his family and his wife and his kids and how that's sort of centered <clears throat> him and, and, and helped him and, and helped him deal with it. You know, I mean quite a quite a meaty and emotional yeah. A role to play, you know, for somebody who we've really only seen doing comedy. Yeah, I've never seen him in anything apart from Still Game and a couple of old sort of Scottish sketch things. Um, I was really, really good. I hope it helps. I hope it opens some doors for him. Really do. I really yeah. do. I think he has done quite a few things seriously acting wise. Yeah. And I, in fact, I think he was in, mind you, it's not really a serious thing, but I think he was in quite a few episodes of like is it Hamish Macbeth maybe or right. um okay. Monarch of the Glen. One of the two mm-hmm. is a, a police officer. So I and I still wonder if maybe it goes unmentioned because I was expecting him to say something else when they're having that scene on the park bench. And they're having the heart to heart. And Lennox says effectively, it's the reason I became a cop mm-hmm. because of that night. Yeah. Because I wanted to catch those bastards. Yeah. And do them and but i've never been able to find them oh in fact um les says and and he's like i've never been able to find them yeah and i was expecting les to turn around and go aye because i found them yeah yeah. i fucking knocked fuck out of them yeah and but he he doesn't and i still wonder if he did because he was obviously an evil bastard Uh when he you know late teens and i wonder if he did find them and there you know yeah ended them and and then he's moved that's how he's been able to move on don't mm. know but maybe yeah. he didn't and maybe he did find peace with his family but that's where i expected that was about to go yeah maybe um no i'm, I'm looking at gavin mitchell's imdb now i feel i feel a bit a twat for not looking at it before but um yeah mm. he's, he's in the taking over the asylum cardiac arrest mm. uh para handy um what else the dunwich horror monarch of the glen yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Eight episodes, Monarch of the Glen. So, and Ravsi Nesbitt as well. Do we think that the Degree Scott had it in his contract that he had to ride a motorbike like in a Mission Impossible 2? <laughs> Maybe. I don't think I'd be that happy if I lent somebody my motorbike and they just fucking let it fall on its side and they got off it instead of fucking... <laughs> Please, like, give me your keys. And then when he gets the bike, there's a perfectly good police bike sat right next to it that yeah. he could have taken. Now, okay, I know this bike's faster, but still but yeah he just speeds off and i thought ah is that a little callback to uh, the Maybe. days when i used to work with tom eh <laughs> and they used to work with that wee scientologist cunt uh back in australia <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just thought that was a nice little callback to his, his days working with john brew and in, uh, in mission impossible too i thought that was good That's, i was just gonna say not a lot of action but there, there was a that the action scene in the French restaurant I thought was particularly good. Yeah. I thought the the little Louis getting stabbed and then the, the headbutt and the pan of water and stuff. There was some some good uh that yeah. was a nice little part, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I liked uh, the little Peter Ingalls mention. Mm. That was nice. So hopefully, um hopefully we get that character later on. I liked that, but I was a bit upset that Bruce wasn't mentioned because I think he has mentioned a couple of times in crime right. and there would have been a perfect opportunity for Gilman or something to say like yeah. hey, like your last partner that yeah. went off uh, used to dress up in women's fucking knickers. <laughs> there would have been a an ideal kind of part for that. Yeah. But I, I was a bit disappointed with no Bruce reference, but yeah, there you go. There was, what can you do? You can't have everything. There was a there was a turning off the gas uh, me, uh, reference yes. though. To <laughs> That was yes. The two uh, dead uh, French, the French couple switching off the gas for each other. 
in fact, that might have been maybe the the reference for that. Yeah, maybe that way they left it at that. But yes, I did uh, I did chuckle at that quite early on. <laughs> I liked as well uh, Tolls summing up of the territorial army and uh, about <laughs> about being full of head cases and all that. And Diggy's like, "Hey, I used to be a TA." <laughs> And the three of them just turned around and look at him and give him like a knowing like, yep, sounds about right. Kind of look, yeah. <laughs> um, I read some reviews online of this. Now, I just wanted to read a couple to you because okay. I think this was quite well received, but mm-hmm. also not. Right. And I think some of the reviews I read, I think people thought, and, and I can see why, your probably typical Britbox subscriber. As you've mm-hmm. said, it's full of kind of old UK drama shows and some UK drama shows. And as we touched upon earlier, I heard, um, I read in it, read, why do I keep saying I read an interview? I listened to an interview with Dougray Scott and he was explaining and they did say, why Britbox? I said, well, now this is obviously what he's saying. Maybe ITV and the BBC didn't pick it up, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. of course, Britbox is funded by them effectively. Yeah, so yeah. it's part of it. But he said that they were offered Britbox and they could get away with more. So they could have more yeah. swearing. Yeah. They could have more noncy stuff. Mm-hmm. So and a bit more violence. So that was the reason they chose it. It gave them a bit more freedom. Probably they could keep more of a Scottish accent as well. Yeah. So I think that's why. And I, I'm pretty sure if it's on Britbox, it's gonna end up on Netflix or something one day. Maybe I yeah. think you would hope. A lot of the BBC and ITV stuff does, so I think it will and get a wider audience. But some of the people that reviewed this online might have thought it was meant to be like a new Midsummer Murders or A Touch of Frost and not something that was written by Irvin Welsh. <laughs> right. So it was a couple I read. Um, okay, I started watching this as the trailer looked good. Episode one had some, but now predictable references to toxic masculinity and feisty female cop, but this is par for the course. By episode three, the angst of the main character was getting boring. They introduced <laughs> an obnoxious, racist political type who, surprise, surprise, supported the union of the UK, so was clearly a baddie. <laughs> The dialogue became increasingly silly. The scenes where the compulsorily Neanderthal white male cop led the suspect solicitor through the building was ludicrous, and Ken Stott's superintendent character had a bizarre meltdown. I'm sorry, but enough is enough for me. I'm going to watch some old episodes of Taggart and Rabus for some quality, realistic crime drama without (laughs) the PC brigade and emotional angst. Now, I'm sorry, how can you say watching Taggart and Rabus and you're saying this is PC? I know. Because it has a feisty female cop. (laughs) When... Doogie Gilman is shagging hooers and talking about that's got rid of the tatty water, is calling his French colleague a froggy cunt at every opportunity. How can you get away with saying this is this is too PC? Uh, the second review I read, which I thought was good, was um, I watched the first episode, but that was all I could take. I watch crime dramas to watch a detective solve crimes. If I wanted to focus on their backstory or their family, I'd watch a family drama. (laughs) I don't care what baggage detectives are carrying around. It should have nothing to do with the story. I wish Scottish TV could get some good writers. It's a beautiful country and deserves to have some good crime dramas. (laughs) I miss Taggart with Mark McManus. I did enjoy the Scottish accents though. Now, can you name me one single TV detective that doesn't have baggage or some sort of family drama. They're all either alcoholics or Taggart's wife was in a wheelchair. Yeah. They're all violent or have some trauma 
or have something that's driving them to catch the criminals. How can you say, I can watch detectives, I, I just want a detective drama for detectives that solve crimes? It's bold. Well, watch, watch um, the bill. like a documentary, <laughs> 24 hours in police custody or something. Yeah. Like, and they do solve the crime. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Upsets me. Watch, fucking watch to the end. I wonder. I mean, you have anyway. to. You have to wonder <laughs> what your the sort of average Midsummer Murders viewer how they would have felt when in the first few minutes of the drama Ginger falls backward and gets a spike up his arse. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened to John Nettles in Midsummer Murders. <laughs> That was great. I did burst out laughing at that. <laughs> He's literally just complaining about his piles and then he falls on a spike. <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh, never mind. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that was some of the negative reviews. But uh, some of the positive ones I read, a lot of people really enjoyed it. So, which yeah. is good. Yeah, I, I, um, can, I don't know that they would... I mean, I, I can see why ITV wouldn't have it because... ITV would put this, would put a show like this on probably in their nine o'clock in the evening slot, right? I think that's the sort of sweet spot mm. for those types of dramas on ITV. BBC, exactly. BBC One probably wouldn't either, but BBC Two, I think, would probably sh- show something like that. Um, and obviously, I'm sure Channel Four would have done. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anything in this that wouldn't get shown on BBC Two or Channel Four. I yeah. agree. Um, I think ITV, I, I don't think so. Um, there's a lot would have to be cut out. And I think the same with the BBC. BBC One. Yeah, BBC yeah. One. Some of the references and some of the swearing, I think. And I think the language would have to probably be toned down a bit as well. Well, you know what? I mean, in terms of the, the accent. I mean, I, I think the it's obvious the reason that none of the commercial channels picked it up. And it's just anti-Scottishness. It's, yeah. You know I mean? I, I know exactly what would have happened. They would, they would, somebody looked at it and said, right, people in London are going to struggle with the accents or something like that. You know, yeah. we, we can't just have it on BBC Two Scotland. You know, if, I think if they do end up showing it, because they might show it, I guess, if, you know, Britbox is, and what's a joint, it's a joint venture between the, commercial channels in the uk so maybe um they'll stick it on at like 11 o'clock at night on bbc2 just so you know after news night on a thursday night or something like that just sort of <laughs> can sort of tuck it away um so what the audience's ears have just got tuned to kirsty Wark, so then they can go further <laughs> yeah. into scottish accent <laughs> you thought kirsty's you thought kirsty had an accent wait to hear <laughs> dougie scott uh as DI, DCI, Protective Linux. It's just the fucking, it's just anti Scottish racism, as yeah. usual. Fuckers. Damn. Yeah. Bastards. Either, yeah, get, <sighs> get it put on channel two, you're not getting your queen back. <laughs> We can uh, set up a blockade at the at the border. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay, she's, I'm not touching that. She's not coming back <laughs> until the BBC commits to quality Scottish programming, <laughs> employing Scottish actors, Scottish writers, and Scottish directors. Missed opportunity there. <laughs> yeah, it certainly was. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Nicola Sturgeon never came out and said independence, and you can have her back. <laughs> We're holding her hostage until we get what we want. It's not a bad bargaining chip, actually. Yeah, yeah. you could have done that. Dead monarch. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay. Is it time to put crime <laughs> through our Swally Awards? Do you have anything I else? I think so. Yeah. After that bombshell, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, let's go for it then. What is up first? Okay. Well, as always, uh, the Bobby the Barman Award for your favourite pub 
in crime. Oh, if only Bobby had had a hip flask with him, and then we could have said that was his uh, the best pub. Mm. Um, there was quite a few, but we didn't yeah. see enough of them. Yeah, um, I think my favourite was the one. I think it's the Poacher's Arms, where he orders the the pint and the whiskey, right, and leaves it on the bar. That looked like a nice establishment, but the rest, don't know, a bit weather spoonsy. There's a couple where he meets the the drug dealer that looks yeah. like a nice little kind of snug area that would be quite good but what about yourself i like that one i like the one with um the uh with the snug bar i like a snug bar you know they they're sort of yeah i, I couldn't tell you the last one i saw i think um mark amarin's used to have a snug didn't it yeah back i think the they day. still do i think do they? yeah i think you're right I mean, I, I only thought I was my my mind was blown by their fucking rooftop terrace. We were there last time. I mean, coming to this pub for nearly thirty years, I had no idea that this this fucking rooftop. Terrace. I think it's quite recent. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was there two years, three years ago. Right. It was there the last time I was in Aberdeen. Okay. Because um, I remember I had a pint up there, but. Right. Before that, I don't know. Judging by the state of the tables, most of the bar staff don't know what's up there either because it's fucking, well, you know. Very true. Um, okay, next up then, the Ewan McGregor Award for Gratuitous Nudity. So there's only really one you can go with here, and that's Stuart and the Swingers. Uh, Stuart being uh, Lennox's brother and actor brother. Now, you don't actually see anything with them because the woman has her nipples covered. However, you do see the French uh, couple's Oh, boobies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I did give it to the swingers because it is quite gratuitous. It's fu- and it's funny. The, the, <laughs> and it's funny. Yeah. The French couple, they're dead bodies, you'd be expected. But yeah, I gave it to the swingers as well because mm-hmm. it is a humorous scene. So yeah, it's yeah. very good. Okay. Um, next up, the James Cosmo Award for being in Everything Scottish. So quite a few people to choose from in this one. Mm. Who did you go for? Yeah, there was. I actually had like a almost a three-way tie. Like Ellie Haddington, Ken Stott were my two initial but looking through theirs they've been in quite a lot of other things as well yeah i actually went for gavin mitchell in the end because yeah. looking through his imdb as you have just done <laughs> yeah, pretty have done. much the majority of the things he's in is yeah. scottish yeah so yeah. that's actually who i went for but what about yourself did you have a different opinion well i was a bit torn between two people eh, sorry three people i had ellie haddington as well Alison McKenzie, because she has appeared a couple mm. of times lately. And yeah. Ewan Stewart is a bit of a face, yeah. you know, as well. He is. Yeah, it really is. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult. So I, th- I think we could just, we could just say they're all winners. Um, okay. They're all Everyone's winners. a winner. Everyone's a winner. Well done. <laughs> uh, the Jake McQuillan, your tease out award. I mean, there's, there's only really one choice, and it's Trudy sticking the nut and Mark in the office. <laughs> yeah. I did like give a special shout out to Brittany's mum smacking her dad in the head with the ashtray. That was a, oh, yeah, a particularly yeah. belter, but yeah, yeah, it has to be Trudy headbutting her boss. That was just a, a great headbutt and a actual cheer kind of let out. Like I was watching Cobra Kai. It was almost like, yeah. A, yes, yeah. get in. Yeah. yeah, enjoyed that. Fully agree with you on that. <laughs> it's just, it's just because it just comes out of nowhere. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the last thing you expect to happen. Like he's, you know, like Estelle by Alison McKenzie has left the business, and he's so he's he turns his attention to Trudy, and he's sleezing, and she just fucking whacks him one. Yeah, it's cracking. What I particularly like about that as well is that then she she sticks it on him, and then gives him a bit of a verbal abuse of you've been touching up all these girls, you sleaze. Yeah. And it's not like a massive rammy in the office. You just hear these voices. Yeah, you fucking perv. Yeah, yeah. you tried it on with me, you cunt. And, and <laughs> it's just 
it's realistic. That's what you would expect. And yeah, yeah very vindicated, I thought. So yeah, clear winner. The Francis Begbie Award for Gratuitous Swearing. I mean... That's a lot. Take your pick. <laughs> I've got Fuck Off and Play With The Lassies. Um, Dougie Gilman. I've got Don't Act A Wido Cunt With Me, which I just love the word Wido. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, yeah, there's tons. Well, what did you go for? Uh, that's my clear winner, the the second one. It's the, it's the build-up as well, because they get in the car and Tolls phone them, and he says, I've got the, the, the press all, they're crawling all fucking over me. Yeah. And uh, Lennox, you can't call them that anymore, Bob, eh? It's, <laughs> it's the media now, and it's just the delivery of the... <laughs> Boss? Fucking press up my nuts in a sling. Not called that nowadays. Eh? Not the fucking press nowadays. It's the fucking media. Oh, don't act a fucking wide old cunt with me, Ray. Fine, Colonel. Um, is Amanda with you? Have you got me on speakerphone? Yes to both, boss. Uh, pardon the French. But there's, yeah, there's so many to choose from, but that was the one that really made me burst out laughing. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of great ones. Yeah, it's really good. Um... Archetypal Scottish moment. I went with, as we've just mentioned, Stuart's Stuart, um, Lennox's brother Stuart, and it's a kind of double whammy reference in right. that Ray says to him, eh, "What was your last role, Stuart?" Eh? And he's I played a drug dealer in River City, <laughs> and then when he goes round to the swingers' house, the guy says to him, "What are you doing, River City?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish moment for me of a Scottish actor being in River City. And being recognised for being in River City. I'm sure there's a lot of Scottish actors, much like the aforementioned, um, sorry, it's Alison McKenzie, that has been in a lot of stuff, but you keep referring to her as (laughs) a River City character. (laughs) I think that's something that follows around a lot of characters. So, a lot of actors, sorry. Yeah. Um, The guy in River City. And like, yeah, I've been in fucking loads of stuff. But yes, I, I was in River City. That was my archetypal Scottish moment. What about yourself? Uh, I've told I've told the story before about me almost getting shell suit Bob into trouble with his girlfriend the night after yes. the night after we you and I saw them in the garage in Glasgow. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So I I was going to go with uh, co- uh, cocaine at a funeral, <laughs> but. <laughs> Buying cocaine off a taxi driver <laughs> on the way to the funeral. Instead, I went with uh, with hearts losing to Dundee because oh, snatching good. defeat from the jaws of victory <laughs> seems like an incredibly Scottish thing. <laughs> Don't know why. Yeah, you know. Certainly does. And then finally, then the Sean Connery Award. Who won the show for you? I'd I'd love to give it to Jamie Sives. I'd love to give it to Ken Stott. Um, I'd love to give it to the absolutely wonderful and beautiful Joanna Vanderham. But sure you would. (laughs) 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 Wouldn't we all? Um, A bit younger. It's degree school. Oh, he just, he steals. He's in, not every scene, but he's in a, a lot. Yeah. Whenever it's focusing on the main kind of crime, it, it, it's him. You're seeing it through his eyes, his perspective. He does the full range of emotions, mm. being nice and being friendly and being funny, but the anguish and, and some of the points that you see that he's losing it. Yeah. And he's got one of the best lines of the entire show for me that made me laugh so much. What was that? God. Grant me the serenity to smash this fucking light of ching up my hooter. 
and catch that child mother of nuns. <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> The delivery of that, you're like, oh, 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 okay, yeah, 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 brilliantly acted. He's just fantastic in this. Oh, what about yourself? I take it. I agree. In agreement, or? yeah, full agreement. I um, because a lot. The only time I've had him on before on the Swally was when we did the Crow Road last year, and you know, I think I said at the time, I don't really like him in the Crow Roads. Like, I don't like the, yeah. I don't like the character. It just seems a bit contrived and stuff, you know. And I fucking supposedly a successful stand-up comedian. His stand-up comedy's fucking rubbish. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I've seen him in a lot of stuff, Degree Scott, and, I'm, you know, more often than not, I've, I've enjoyed him. But in this, I don't think he's ever been better. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's absolutely brilliant. And especially that you mentioned the scenes when he's he's struggling to maintain his sobriety and when he's, you know, they, especially the last few episodes when he's sort of closing in on this nervous breakdown. I mean, it's just, he's so good. You know what I mean? Like it's so so good, you know, and when he's when he breaks down in the interview room in the last episode and then sort of bounces back. It's absolutely brilliant. And I think if it had had a wider release, I think he'd have got awards for this, did he, Scott? Yeah. If more people had seen it. You know, what says a lot to me as well, and it's it's not so much his portrayal maybe, but the character, but I think it is part of his portrayal, is when they go to Britney's funeral uh-huh. and the mum says in front of Toll, he's the only one that cared or something along those lines. But she conveys that Lennox yeah. really cared. Yeah, yeah. And Scott conveys that so well in terms of the relate the way he is with the mum. And he, he loses it at her a yeah. couple of times. You know, why didn't tell me the boyfriend? But it's because he, he's desperate to know about this. And mm-hmm. yeah, he just delivers an absolute powerhouse. And I don't think it gets over the top or hammy at no. kind of any point, really. It's it's struggling. And he, he does a very good drunk or chinged up performance as well the same like the scenes with him and Stuart in the taxi are yeah. just hilarious <laughs> so yeah I think a, a very fitting win for for Degree Scott yeah, yeah, yeah I have to feel like if if he had if he had been on Channel Four doing this, it would be looking at like at least being talked about for the TV Baftas, right? Yeah, you've got to think so to be in a six-part series like this and do. I'm not saying it's Stephen Graham level of acting, but it's not far off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Stephen Graham is is a good actor, but occasionally you feel like he sort of phones it in a bit. You know what I mean? Like that one yeah. that that one time that he did with Sean Bean, which was good. And he was good, but mm. you felt it's you know Stephen Graham can do a lot better than this, you know. And the other one where they did about the little boy, like this true story about the little boy that got shot in Liverpool, uh, little boy blue. I watched him playing a policeman in that, and again, you're like, yeah, you know, so so you know. But there's there's, there's other things he's done, but he's fucking immense, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so I pick crime, so that means that the arrow what turns back toward you. What will we be talking about on the next episode of The Culture Swally? Well, Greg, the next episode of The Culture Swally, if we don't get cancelled for any comments we've made about <laughs> certain old lady that died in Scotland this week. <laughs> um, body hostage. Um, the next episode will go out on the 6th of October. So I thought we would continue our Swally Spooktacular <laughs> after the success of last year when we did The Wicker Man and, of course, 
dog soldiers. So we're going to do a couple of little horror films or horror pieces of media over the month of October. So I'd like to go back to 1989 for my choice and look at an episode from The Play on One, which was directed by David Heyman, and we're going to have a look at Govan Ghost Story, which is available on YouTube for any listeners or yourself who would like to watch it. (laughs) Um, It's it's only an hour long, so it's a a play on one, so we um, we can have a look at that. It's about an old man whose tenement flat gets haunted. Ah, Gets the willies up him, not in a pegging way, but in a... um, A different way. So we'll have a look at that on the next episode of The Swally. Excellent. Nice one. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod, or you can follow us on Twitter at Swally Pod. And if there's anything you've seen you'd like us to look at review, or if any news stories, and hey, there's not going to be a lot of funny news stories coming out of Scotland in the next week or so. So if you see anything that you you think's funny, unless someone's held the Queen's body hostage, then you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com and as i say every week please feel free to rate review subscribe wherever you get your podcast tell your friends just tell one friend about us it really helps the podcast to grow and really appreciate your support um in the podcast uh over the last two years pretty much greg that we're going for so thank you very much and uh, of course greg you're the website master so uh what's uh, how's the website the yeah, website's good um you can find us at uh, cultureswally.com um there's links to all Ooh. our all our 50 plus episodes um that we've recorded over the last two years um there's some features on there there's links to our socials um so you can go straight through to our twitter our email and our instagram so come and ch- check us out I need to see if I can find out how many visits we've had. I think that you can that you can find out. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'll have a look. Yeah. And I need to update the Swally tally quite urgently because it's been a while actually. So yeah, I need to. I will do that during the week. Okay, right. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Greg. Yep. Anything exciting planned for the rest of the day? That's all. I might uh, I might away and let the tattoo out route. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you enjoy yourself. Are you going to look up solo male whilst you're doing yeah. that? Or yeah. Smoking solo male <laughs> BBM. Okay. Uh, okay, well, all right. Enjoy yourself then, Craig. <laughs> Till next time. Till next time. I wanted to have a proper talk with you. Like, really open up about where it is we're gone wrong. For the right good think about things, and I think I can see what it is I'm doing that might be a wee bit off. Now, I can I can go off on one without giving you a word in edgewise. Well, that's... I don't know. What I'm trying to say is, I can I've got my faults. I mean, I work for New Year's, so you're bound to be saying to yourself, is he off pumping some dirty wee hoor or has he got some daft wee bird in tow? Because he doesn't seem that interested in giving me the message anymore. Well, I can that women can go through a crisis of confidence when they get to a certain age. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when you were wearing short skirts, even though it seems like fucking decades. I mean, you must look at younger birds and say, well, they've got it. I've just no enemy. Well, it's I... a man just as lamb syndrome. It's bound to affect a woman's confidence. It stands to reason. Well, I just want you to ken that I totally get it.